Hello, and welcome to another episode of ABC Gotham. This is Kate, and with me, as always, is Kathleen. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we are on letter L again. And Kathleen, we have a double L this time. That's right. Today, guys, we're telling you all about local laws, things about New York City, rules that you're going to need to know about if you're visiting or if you're a resident, uh, rules you might have been breaking all along and didn't even know it. Exactly. And I'm sure we're going to miss some of the ones that you think are your favorites. So feel free on Facebook to leave us your favorite local law. Absolutely. A comment on Facebook or even a comment here on Podbean. If you're using the Podbean site, definitely let us know of anything we missed or anything we got wrong. Exactly. Well, Kathleen, did you know that there can be a $25 fine against flirting in the city of New York? $25? I know. Quit flirting. <laughs> uh, adultery is also a crime here. Adultery. So, so you, So someone can go to jail for that. Well... Wow. I, that one kind of floored me. I was like, how, why do you, the problem is some of these are illegal, but they aren't enforced. So there's no, not, it's really hard to tell you what the, whether you'd go to jail, like what, what's on the books for what you do. Cause nothing, they're so old that right, they're right. not enforced anymore. That's it. But it's fascinating that they're actually still on the books, that this is, in theory, still something that, that people could mete out punishment for. Right. It reminds me of my hometown that I'm from. There is a law still on the book, and the law reads that an automobile, when it sees a horse and buggy coming, you're supposed to pull mm -hmm. over to the side of the road and disassemble your car. This is what the <laughs> law says, but it means you're supposed to take the crank out like essentially stop your car so to disassemble your car you know that crank that you had to crank up your yeah. car. yeah that you're that's disassembling your car but it's still on the books as disassemble your car so that's kind of what we're talking about today so i've got a couple more but kathleen do you have some uh, a couple quick small i am aware that it is illegal to carry an ice cream cone in your pocket and on a somebody Sunday. did that <laughs> somebody must have done that <laughs> one person must have done that, right? Right. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. Well, Kathleen, do you know you can go topless in public as long as you're not doing it as a business? Don't charge people. Now, ah, uh, God, so many questions, Kate. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that one. Uh, I will just go with, I'll just stop going topless in public in general, just... Just to play it Oh, safe. no, you can go topless all the time. Just don't charge people money for it. I see. As long as it's not part of a business. Well, I do I know a few things. There are a couple of things that aren't quite as silly, but uh, there are real laws in New York and are not the same throughout the nation or even throughout the state. And so things that uh, New Yorkers are so used to that we don't even realize that it's unusual and things that outsiders or visitors will need to know is... When you are driving here, this is always the funniest thing about driving. One of the funniest things about driving in New York is turning right on red. Don't do it. Is not legal. No. And that's perfectly okay everywhere else. You come to a stop. You treat it like a stop sign. If the way is clear, then you can make your right turn. And you can't do that in New York. And I always feel a little bit bad for New York drivers, New York City drivers who drive outside of the city. Or even worse, the people who are in traffic right behind them. 
and they're stopped at the red light and they don't understand why everyone's honking at them and it's it's a bad situation for those poor drivers i know i but i i understand why it exists it exists because traffic is so bad here and it's better just to have and you have so many pedestrians you need to pedestrians to have a solid right of way at some point that's it Absolutely. It'd be even worse to be a pedestrian in New York if that were possible. Oh my God, it but, would be awful. But I totally see people do it. and You do? Really? All the time. Well, most don't have New York plates. No offense, ah, New there Jersey. You go. No offense, New Jersey, but it's you guys I see doing mm-hmm. this all the time. I see it at, at <laughs> least once or twice a week. I, I believe it. And especially, I mean, it could be someone from Albany. It could be someone from... Schenectady, you know, where it's perfectly okay to do this. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, it seems like a strange thing to have a law about, although obviously it's important that we have it when it's so easy for people to not know it and just break that law. Yeah. I don't know. Ignorance is not an excuse. It's not an excuse. No. You're absolutely right. And another thing you can't do, but you will be corrected very, very quickly if you get this wrong, is there's been a huge crackdown on smoking yes in public buildings in the city and not only in public buildings but also recently in public parks on public beaches beaches. you cannot smoke you cannot even smoke within a hundred feet of a public building and there's a lot of of public public buildings in new york there really are there are and that's that's a they have really, really narrowed down the areas that smokers can use. And I know at least at the hospital I work at, they've posted signs in the areas where smokers used to hang out, which used to be just in front of the building. You know, it used to be you just had to go outside, and so they didn't want to take a stroll, so they just parked themselves out there and smoked around the ashtray and came back into work. Now there's signs out there that's like, New York City can help you quit smoking, and here are 1-800 numbers, and here's how to get the patch for free, and there's... You know, it's not just that they've made this law to sort of passively discourage smoking, but they're actively putting help out there for people who want to quit smoking, which you should do, guys. It's bad for you. Yeah. Did you see, I don't know if it was proposed or if they actually did it, the uh, cigarette packs that had like the diseased lungs on them? Ah, I have not seen those yet, so I don't think they have them yet. But I do know, yeah, I know that, the proposal. that big color pictures of disgusting, diseased lungs. Yeah. Well, thinking, yeah. speaking of disgusting diseases, hearkening back to our contagion episode, we may have brought this up, but in 1896, spitting in New York City became illegal, and you can get a ticket. Uh, there's a $25 summons, or, in theory, a maximum of 10 days in jail. And oh my lord yeah all these people i see spitting on the street now i'm gonna be like hey <laughs> officer officer you need to need to talk yes to uh it was adopted <laughs> to prevent the spread of disease which as we talked about in our contagion episode is spitting oh we have that fantastic poster that says spitting, right um spreads tuberculosis all this stuff and cholera, cholera. And yeah it yeah. spreads everything and it it is a really nasty habit and it, it can spread disease. I guess in theory, but I feel like they figured out the, you know, the that clean water and, and sanitary conditions were, were really the great preventative measure. Although, you know, anything to get rid of spitting, that's fine by me. But I wonder if we can really link it to disease so much at this point. Not anymore. But that's that's where the law initially came from. I don't think I've ever seen anyone get ticketed for spitting. I did just learn recently that you can't sell laser pointers to people under 18. It is even unlawful 
for any person to direct, uh, to direct, it's called emitted light. So the light emitted from a laser pointer, you can't direct it into or through a public place. No, that I remember kind of when that started up, when those like laser pointers became popular. Are they still around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely. But I, I do remember when the crackdown happened. And obviously it's only people under 18. It's, they're the big problem here. Of course, of course. You can't, you can't sell it to them. Of course they can use it. I did hear that if a kid is in school and they find a laser pointer on him, he's in big trouble. Right. But um, yeah, I guess. How are they supposed to make their presentations, Kate? The kids? They borrow their teachers. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> they point with a ruler. Mm, that could be it. I'm, I'm, a little, um, I'm a little old school on that. I'm a Luddite on that. Ah. I'm a Luddite on most things. Well, I did learn that uh, New York State, so not, not specifically the city, but of course this applies, New York State, we don't have capital punishment. No, I'm actually happy with that because we messed that up a lot. Oh, definitely. There is a, there's been an effective moratorium since June of 2004, and that was when the state Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty statute violated the state constitution and then in 2008 uh governor david patterson then governor issued an executive order and he disestablished new york's death row so every once in a while someone will try to challenge it and make it happen again but we are uh we are a non-capital punishment state yeah that makes me pretty happy so kathleen do you know that there are things that legally are not allowed to be in the milk that you buy in the store Ooh, I guess that's good news. Well, today, you're not allowed to have blood, pus, vermin, or manure in your milk. Oh my god. Yes, but also a list of things that are not allowed to be in your milk in New York City are plaster of Paris, (sighs) cornstarch, eggs, molasses, pretty much like stuff that's not milk should not be in your milk. So there was a big problem in the 1850s. It's called the swill milk scandal. All right, so I'm going to start by saying some of this is a good idea. Not the milk part. Why is this non-milk stuff in the milk in the first place? Not the milk part. But the reason, this is what happened. Cows were fed swill, which is technically residual mash from distilleries. So cool. Okay. They're using the mash. They're not throwing it away. Right. And it's food. It's a food product. Right. And then it was sold as local milk. I think it actually was sold as pure country milk, even though it's from New York City. Now, the problem is, to make more money, this milk was whitened with plaster, thickened with cornstarch, eggs, and then hewed with molasses. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead of being just fed the mash, they were kind of fed all the distillery waste that was made. Oh, my. There were terrible conditions. The cows were in close confinement. Think hundreds or sometimes thousands in narrow stalls. And once they were tied in the stall, they stayed there until they died, standing in their own oh manure, covered in flies, sores, and suffering from disease, which is so good for your milk. How do you even get in there to milk the cow? It sounds like they're so I think so they must have together. had, like, maybe their backsides were able to be accessed so oh, okay. they could reach underneath. Wow. Really disgusting 
like and everything got in that milk anything that was in there got in the milk just really disgusting so there's an expose by a man named Frank Leslie who had his own newspaper and after his expose there was a call to regulate the milk in New York City like local milk and you'd think everyone would be like oh my god all this stuff is in my milk yes please fix this problem right however Tammany Hall steps in oh no Tammany Hall politician alderman Michael Tuomi he defended the distilleries and was put in charge of the Board of Health investigation because that's not a conflict of interest. Right, yeah. He argued that the swill milk was as good or better than real milk for children. Oh, better, really? Yeah. He successfully blocked serious inquiry into the dairies and ended calls for reform. He was just like, no, we're just not doing this. Wow, wow. Yeah, the Board of Health exonerated the distilleries but there was such a public outcry that it led to the first food safety law of the milk re regulations of 1862. So that's why today, Kathleen, it's illegal to have any of that stuff in your milk. Thank God. I can't believe that. So the public outcry overruled Tammany. Yeah, that's. it must have been one of the only times. I love Tammany's like, no, guys, this is totally cool it's to fine. drink. <laughs> You're better this way, actually. Yeah, I love that <laughs> they marketed it as pure country milk. It's like yeah. from Brooklyn. <laughs> now, the part that I agree with is I do like their, um, my favorite brewery, I'll give a shout out to dogfish head does something very similar where all the mash that's left over and the grain that's left over after they brewed because when you brew beer you know you've got a lot of stuff left over so they give it to a local farm that raises cows and the cows eat the grain and then actually the dogfish head brew pub serves burgers made out of those cows and those are good burgers they're fantastic burgers so <laughs> i like that i like the part where they're like hey we have to do something with this leftover stuff. Let's give it to cows and then let's use the cows for something else. But the conditions that the cows were in and just the stretching of the product that That's was milk it. And is... plaster of Paris <sighs> and corn syrup and things that no human should be drinking. More or less, kids shouldn't be drinking. No, and just the poor cows with the sores yeah. and the sickness. Yeah. And, and they would just die. And then I'm like... Oh, God, how long were those dead cows, like, squeezed in next to live cows? Oh, I'm, anyway. So, that is the swill milk scandal and why we have milk regulations in New York City. Wow. Thank God for that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and it's not to say that current factory farming methods are necessarily a lot better, but at the very, very least, we have food quality standards. So, right, right. that much we can be happy about. But, yeah, the animals uh, might still be unhappy, but we definitely definitely uh, have some rules about animals in New York City. We are not allowed to have wild animals as pets. No matter what, Kate. No no wild animals? I don't want to hear it. I'm nope, going to have to get rid of my raccoon. Yes, you will. We can't keep mountain lions. We can't keep grizzly bears. Really? We can't keep aardwolves. I did not even know that was an animal until I started doing... What about doing... my coyote? Your coyote is not okay. Dang. Neither are your odd-toed ungulates. I love that one. I read this. I know. I was researching this as well, and I was like, what the heck? I don't even know what that is, but you can't have one. 
And until very recently, the term wild animals included ferrets. Lots of people have ferrets for pets. They're adorable. I like them. They're kind of stinky. I don't like them. But they're very, very fun. Um, And they were illegal in New York City. And we have a link below where you can listen to Mayor Giuliani on a radio call-in show where he, oh my lord. uh, It's fantastic. It's hilarious. Someone calls in and says, why are, you know, why are ferrets still considered wild animals? They're tame. They're legal everywhere else in the country, except California and Washington, D.C., incidentally. Um, You know, these are, there shouldn't be a ban on these, and and why don't you overhaul this? And Giuliani goes off off on this guy completely out of proportion to the issue at hand he is like you have psychological problems you are obsessed with these little with these rats or something like that it's hilarious so definitely listen to that totally worth if you're like just need a laugh it's yeah totally because juliana used to have a call-in show where you could call Mm -hmm. in ask the mayor whatever and and he he'd do it i actually think he talked to this guy twice Oh my lord! But it's because I feel like this hysterical. guy might have been head of some kind of organization. He is. To, uh, he was. He was in yeah. charge of an organization to bring ferrets to New York City, which he has now won because he is. Yes, now you can have ferrets not, here. De Blasio has uh, has changed that part of the law, and ferrets are legal now in New York City, or they will be soon. It's a paperwork processing thing going right now. But yes, very soon. Um, speaking of animals that may or may not be legal. For urban farmers, uh, beekeeping is legal. You can be a beekeeper. Yeah. You can also keep securely fenced cattle and pigs in your yard. Did you know that? I actually did know that. I was reading an article about some hipsters who wanted to have mm-hmm. like a like a dairy farm or like they wanted oh, to have Lord. some cows or something. I mean, if you even have room for them, you go right ahead. Yeah, that, who has room fine. for a cow? Well, I guess you don't. This Will Milk scandal has taught us that you really don't need any room. They don't for take a cow. up much room, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they do have to be securely fenced. The law does say that. The law also says that, however, owning a rooster is not legal. No, but I had friends who had chickens. See, chickens are okay. Yeah, there's there's the distinction. Chickens aren't going to disturb your neighbors. Roosters are illegal. Um, and my last law about animals is apparently tampering with a horse's tail will earn you a year in prison. The law does not say what exactly it means to tamper with a horse's tail. What the heck is tampering with a horse's tail? That is the silliest. <laughs> I- a year, Kate, a year of your life. I'm going to go tamper with some horses' tails this weekend. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll call you. From- this well, may be our last episode. Our next episode, I'll be recording from Rikers Island. <laughs> we could do a whole Rikers Island episode. We could. We could. We've got someone on the inside. <laughs> this will surprise a lot of people. Jaywalking, which, as you and I know, is constant around Oh, New yeah. York City. Everyone we, does We it. love jaywalking. We're, we are... Oh. Can't, can't live without it. Do That's it every day. because we got to get there. We got to get there now. We're very busy people and very important. Well, apparently jaywalking is legal. Oh, wait, it's legal? It's legal, but not if you're crossing diagonally. Oh, yeah, who would do that? Well, well, so you can cut, you know, you don't have to cross at the corner, but you can't go, you know, from 
one end of the block to the other end of the block through the street. You have to go perpendicular to the movement of traffic if you are going to jaywalk. Okay. And everyone, look both ways. Just be smart about it. Yeah, if you're jaywalking, if it's not your light, please watch out for the bikes. Mm-hmm. Much like I tell mm-hmm. the bikes, please watch out for the pedestrians. I understand if you don't want to sit through a whole light because there's no traffic coming. Mm-hmm. Just watch out for pedestrians. Just look out for pedestrians. Exactly, exactly. Uh, also, graffiti is illegal, as you may know. Definitely illegal. It's even illegal to sell spray paint to people under 18. Something about that cutoff. You're up to no good if you want spray paint under age 18, but after that, you're good to go. Yeah, I think because, yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Uh, I do know about the spray paint thing because, you know, everywhere I go to a lot of art supply stores and they're always, spray paint is always locked away and you have to have somebody come open the cabinet and you have to show your ID to buy it. And they'll check your ID. Yep, Mm -hmm. yep, definitely. Now, there was a uh, a strange law that came up during another one, during Giuliani's administration's quality of life improvements. Do you remember when he said you couldn't dance in bars? I do, yeah. You had to um, get a cabaret license to have dancing. He closed a lot of of nightclubs because he decided a cabaret license was required for establishments where three or more people were found dancing. Three or more. Yeah, I had um I, I had a lot of friends who worked in bars mm-hmm. and it was a big problem where people, you know, they cuz you'd still have a DJ or you'd still have good music playing and people would start dancing and then they one of my friends would have to be the jerk who'd have to go over and be like I'm really sorry but you can't dance cuz the bar could get in a lot of trouble. That's it. They could shut you down. Yeah, yeah. And there was even a protest. There was the Million Mambo March in protest. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) But they did not succeed in getting Giuliani to change his name. Now, when Bloomberg came in, he was reportedly considering overturning this law. It didn't actually happen. And there are reports now that he was trying to do that, but also sort of in conjunction with changing the uh, closing time. Moving that up from 4 a.m. until 1 a.m. Wow, that would be so strange. And it would have been really bad for the bars and nightclubs as well. So, you know, they weren't too thrilled with that potential amendment. And it didn't go through anyway. So at the moment, this law, the cabaret license law, does remain on the books. Yeah, I, I, I haven't noticed as much of a crackdown, though. Like, I've been in bars where people have been, like, kind of dancing. (laughs) Not, like, hardcore, like, I'm starting a dance party. But they really used to, like, stop you right away. Because, I I don't know, they were, there was, things were just more strict under Giuliani. Yeah. Like, there was this constant, we're going to get busted for something. Quality of life. Um, One interesting thing, this, uh, there are laws about when you can sell liquor in New York City. Now, apparently... I didn't know this. Beer sales are permitted at all times, 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah, because that's why you can buy them in the bodegas all the time. That's it. That's it. Yes. Now, liquor stores can't sell alcohol uh, from midnight to 9 a.m. And on Sundays, they can't sell anything until noon. They can only sell between noon and 9. But um, beer is, of course, available everywhere. And convenience stores, delis, grocery stores, bodegas everywhere. So just learn to drink beer and you're not, you don't have to deal with these. 
I feel like I do remember when I first moved here that some liquor stores weren't open on Sundays. I remember it being Sunday and being like, oh crap, we're having a party tonight and we don't have anything to drink. And you run out and there's no stores And there's no liquor I remember the two liquor stores near us were were not open on Sundays when I first moved here. But it's it's obviously since changed. Everybody's open all the time. And I always kind of wondered, like, how do you, when people go out to brunch on Sundays and there's drinks, how is that possible? But it's not really, it's not the same thing. It's not a store. Oh, right. Are we going to talk about the brunch law? What is the brunch law? I don't even know about this. The endless, you know, there was the big um, hullabaloo like a while ago where it's technically illegal to offer an endless drinks for brunch oh bottomless mimosas the bottomless mimosas the bottomless Mm -hmm. whatever greyhounds bloody marys whatever you're drinking it's technically illegal to offer that you can't just give people unlimited booze Mm -hmm. with their Mm -hmm. food so how did they get around that or did they repeal that well they they were saying well nobody's cracked down on it and it's been that way as long as i well, and granted, I haven't lived here forever, but it's been that way as long as I remember. I think it's still illegal, but nobody cares. I see. I think it's one of those that they're just not going to crack down on it. And I, I mean, I'm past the point in which I want to go <clears throat> have a bottomless brunch. Bottomless. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, in case you ever do get thirsty on a Sunday morning for liquor and you decide maybe I'll just make my own, as it turns out, you cannot make moonshine or bathtub gin. Oh, really? Yes. Now, you, there are distillers in the city. What you would need to do if you really want to do that is get a Class A1 distiller license. Uh, but if you do try that without the license, that's a misdemeanor which is punishable by a year in prison or a $1,000 fine. Now, is that just for making, even for making it for personal consumption, or is that for selling as well? Personal consumption, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. I feel like it's easy to accidentally poison yourself. I think that might be part of it. True. I make my own beer, but I make, like, such a small amount that I... But I, that's fine. I this is this is spe- specifically about liquor, okay. distilling and and. Well, then and I'm just going to make moonshine. To pour out that gin I made this week. Oh, well. You were so proud of that, too. I know, I know. <laughs> it stripped paint off of walls. Right. Now, most New Yorkers, when, unless they're lawyers, you know, when they are forced to uh, get involved in the legal game or look up laws online, a lot of times it has to do with landlord and tenant law. And we have quite a few laws of that to discuss. One real quick one that I just learned and have broken in the past, unbeknownst to me, is that uh, they prohibit more than three unrelated people from living in the same apartment. Yeah, but that's never enforced. And the thing is, there are like five-bedroom apartments out there. There are large apartments, and people split them up, students, you know, young people, people looking to save a buck. I mean, you get you get some roommates. It really makes it easier to make the rent. I think you're right. I feel like it's one of the things that is not enforced until maybe a landlord's like, I got to get I got to get that bunch out of there. You know, exactly. like when when it becomes I feel like landlords have it in their pocket for they, when they need they it. They do. They do. 
So watch out out there. <laughs> you can always adopt your like friend. Be like, oh, <laughs> this is my son. And then your family. And then your family. Mm-hmm. But then Kathleen, what's a family? You know, there's all the squatters rights laws that happened in New York. Because you had a lot of buildings, especially in Alphabet City and the East Village that were being, and Lower East Side, that were just being abandoned. Yeah, yeah, empty when, buildings. Yeah, when there was a lot of a high crime in the East Village and, and that area. Just, you know, the city itself was in a bad space. We've talked about it in the past. People were fleeing the city. And these buildings were just sitting there completely unoccupied. The owners, who knew where they were. So people would go into these buildings and fix them up and live in them. And then the, either the neighborhood started to get better or the building had been repaired enough by these people that the landlord started to come back or the landlords, the building's owners started to come back and say, oh, well, this is my building. You have to get out. So they came up with these squatters rights in New York where you have to live in a place for a certain amount of time. You have to have all of your bills paid um, with that address. And you can actually own the building. There's wow. a great, I might put a link to it. It's a lot to go into just in this episode because we're talking about a lot of stuff. There's a great link I might put for uh, How Stuff Works, which is always a great website Definitely. that has a whole thing about squatters' rights. Uh, Interesting. So uh, we'll put a link to that. You can look a bit more about that. But New York especially was a lot of landmark cases with squatters' rights because it was it was such a big deal here. Whole neighborhoods mm-hmm. just taken over by people who were trying to fix up their block and trying to fix up their neighborhood and then to try to be evicted by kind of like, you know, somebody who abandoned the area, abandoned the building. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a tricky thing because that person does own the building. And so, yeah, we're... What what happens there? So I'm yeah. glad that... And you also had some where, granted, the landlord... I keep saying landlord, but the owner never came back. Right. And after seven years, you're like... I think it's seven years, but after a certain amount of time, you're like, well, this person doesn't exist anymore. Like, we have tried our best to find this person. We, you know, and try to get the deed signed over to you. Yeah, yeah. So... A big law in New York is the tenement law. There are a few of them going back in time because they had to keep making these tenement laws because none of the laws were comprehensive enough. There were always loopholes for slumlords. So I'm going to start with the tenement law of 1879 and then kind of go backwards and forwards just so you can see what gets fixed. So in 1879, the law said that every habitable room had to have a window to plain air. Now, this means the window has to go outside of the building. And the reason it says that, it's fixing a law from 1867, the Tenement House Act, in which the windows, they, it said that there had to be windows in each room which then the landlords turned into something that you have, Kathleen, which is a meaningless window that just goes to (laughs) another interior room. We do have that. The middle room in our apartment has a window 
into the living room in our apartment. Exactly. And nothing else. And that's mm-hmm. what these windows were for. They were a way for the landlords to say, oh, this is a bedroom because it has a window. The window doesn't lead to the outside. It just leads to the next room. And so you had room. a lot of these um, uh, apartments here, like the shotgun style. Mm-hmm. Where oh, the railroad style. Yeah. Railroad style apartments here where you have room after room after room where there you may not be You have to walk through every windows. room to get through it. Yeah, yeah. We call it our tubercular window from our tour at the Tenement Museum where <clears throat> presumably light and air was a helpful uh, aspect and they had to have light and air and so a window into another room that had a window was adequate for meeting that law. So crazy. Well, mm-hmm. the Tenement House Act of 1867, one good thing it did get right is that there had to be a fire escape from each suite. You either, you have, to, what it is is you have to have two exits from every apartment. And I've totally lived in apartments that did not have this. Ah. Uh. <laughs> and I've, I've had landlords that have gotten in trouble for that and were forced to get rid of the tenant they had in that apartment because technically it was an illegal apartment. Uh, The Tenement Law of 1879 fixes the window problem in saying the window has to go to plain air, but then we get these buildings that have air shafts, which become a new thing. Now, that actually kind of makes things worse in the city for a while, since tenement dwellers, especially on the upper floor, now Kathleen, if you're on the upper floor of one of these buildings, and you have garbage, bilge water, any waste, and you don't want to go down the stairs, where is it going to go? Zing. It's going to go down the, the air shaft. Yep. And it becomes disgusting. And oh, yeah. It's, Very quickly. It's not at all what it's meant. It's meant to be healthy, and it makes things much less healthy. These mm-hmm. air shafts also act as a flue and spread fire very Ooh, quickly yeah. between buildings. So uh, they fix it in 1901. There's a lot of debate for a while on how to fix this. In 1901, the law does away with air shafts. So you can't build a building anymore with an air shaft. And it replaces it with a large central courtyard with garbage storage. And then there became garbage like how often the garbage had to be taken out. And it kind of goes from there. But you get rid of the management of the building becomes in charge of the garbage and getting rid of the garbage. So there's a central location and then it gets taken out. These buildings still exist with air shafts. You can still get an apartment today with an air shaft in it. But there aren't a ton of them in the city. And you're more likely to find, if you're living in a large building in New York, you're more likely to probably have a central courtyard in the building, even if it's not accessible. Yeah, it's a little less grim then. It's it's looking at, I've, I've known people who have had apartments that look out on air shafts and you're like, wow, that's your view, huh? That's it, terrible. It, yeah, <laughs> I have too. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty sad. It's not an ideal situation. So this is actually sort of a recent one that's come up recently in debate in New York City, which is Airbnb and how to manage that and what that means. So, Kate, first of all, why don't you tell us what is Airbnb? Because I know you've used it. I actually love Airbnb. Uh, Airbnb is, say, Kathleen, you have an extra room in your apartment or usually it's another room, but I guess you could rent your couch technically. You go on this website, you put a lot of pictures, you rent out the room or 
as I've known people to do. If you're out of town, you rent your entire apartment. Uh, I've been in some places which have been amazing where they rented a room and they make you breakfast in the morning. It can be like, yeah, it can be a really lovely thing. Uh, But that's basically it. You're just renting space to people. And it's generally cheaper than uh, a hotel. Usually... Some of them, you you can put in whether you kind of want any interaction with the other person or not, or some, ah, some, I have a friend who nice. does Airbnb, I have two friends, one who has, she goes, she'll go out of town for about a month at a time, so she'll rent her apartment when she's out of town, which is not quite legal, which you sure you'll go into, but I have another friend who owns her apartment and she has a spare room, which she rents out. And she does things like cook dinner for the person who comes to stay. You know, you want to get a really good review on Airbnb so you can keep renting. But this is a problem in New York. Yes. So a law was passed by the state legislature in 2010, and that banned short-term rentals in the city. So if a listing on Airbnb offers an entire apartment in a Class A dwelling, so I'm not sure what that is, but that's pretty much... All, all but a few in the city. List an entire apartment mm-hmm. for less than 30 days and the host is not present during the rental, it is illegal. So technically, that person is running an illegal hotel. Now, if the listing is for a room or a space in a dwelling and the host will be present, it is legal. And also legal under the law is traditional bed and breakfast, couch surfing is legal, Home swaps are legal. So as long as money isn't changing hands, it's legal. But the reason that a renter or even a co-op owner can't rent out their apartment as a hotel is because in New York City, hotels have really strict safety regulations, much stricter than a residential structure is going to have. So a hotel has mandatory smoke detectors, fireproof and illuminated stairwells. They've got sprinkler systems, strobes, ventilation, fire exits, uh, backup lighting, tons and tons of features are required on hotels, but only very modern residential buildings have this in place. So there's another reason for not allowing Airbnb, which is security. Some residents of a building don't want a steady stream of strangers coming in and out of their building. So that's where the, the debate is at this point. And I I kind of understand some of it, but... That's it. It can go either way. There's security to worry about, and I don't don't know. It's hard to say because it is so expensive to get a hotel in this town. The moment, for those of you who aren't in New York City right now, whenever we ride the subway, there are tons of signs that say Airbnb is great for New York City. And uh, to, to, to some extent, and for a lot of people, I'm sure that's true, but Airbnb in New York City is really good for Airbnb. They they would be hurting if they lost this as a market. So they are working to change the law, and, uh, and we'll see if that gets settled. One last, a couple of laws I've got. I feel like we've covered some of these in past podcasts, but some of the anti-gay laws that were on the books in New York pre-Stonewall, which now there are a lot of great laws protecting queer people in... New York City and in the country, not the entire country, but some of the more ridiculous ones back in the bad old days. Well, of course, cross-dressing was illegal in New York City. 
Well, right. of course. If you were found in a gay bar, because they would have raids at bars, as we've mentioned before, and men would be taken, men in drag would be taken in the back to see if they were cross-dressing. And women, uh, Kathleen, you would have to be wearing at least three articles of feminine clothing to escape prosecution during a raid. I would not pass that rule right now. No, uh, actually, I would fail too. <laughs> yeah, because I, I believe, I believe we discussed this briefly in, in riots. I believe your bra does not count. Uh, I'm wearing my jammies while we record this. <laughs> and there are, you know, baggy men's clothes that are very comfortable to sleep in. Uh, there were laws against dancing and touching people of the same gender, so... Uh, a simple one man's hand on another's arm could be enough to get you arrested. Oh, my Lord. There were laws against uh, uh, same-sex couples dancing together, as I mentioned. So sometimes you would have these bars where they would pay, especially gay men's bars, um, they would pay women to come in to dance <gasps> because then if they were busted, they could all, they, you know, you could have a couple guys say, oh, we were dancing with this woman. And uh, I haven't heard too much of that um, for lesbian bars than bringing men in. But, you know, uh, there were also a lot of, you know, there just weren't a lot of places to go. So a lot of people kind of went to the same places. But yeah, um, you bring people in, women in to dance so that you could say, oh, no, 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 officer, we're dancing with this woman. Luckily, those are the bad old days. Yeah, and there's a reason there were riots. And you should listen to episode R if you want to hear about those. Exactly. I think we covered uh, most of that in R. Um, okay, well, thank you for listening to our episode today on local laws. We hope you learned something you didn't know before. Well, we'd like to thank everyone who came out to our pub quiz a few weeks ago. There are pictures up on Facebook. Yes, we had a blast. We hope you did too. It was great. It was super fun. And if you couldn't make it, uh, just check it out on Facebook. And then the next time we have something like that, we hope to see you there. Definitely. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Bye. Bye. I wish you were standing here as Broadway opens up her arms when the crimson skyline bruises like and lights up like a favorite song. For more ABC Gotham, go to our website, www.abcgotham.podbean.com. Special thanks to Podcasting's Brock. Music for ABC Gotham is by Big Rude Jake. ABC Gotham is a K2 production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved.